I love the honest and sincere question that the people ask John the Baptist over and over in today's gospel. What should we do? What should we do? People from wildly different kinds of groups are asking it too. Faithful Jews, tax collectors, soldiers even. All of these different kinds of people are coming from near and far to ask John the Baptist, who is baptizing people in the River Jordan, this crucial question because they feel deeply convicted by his witness and his preaching. And they're all wondering somewhere in the back of their minds, well, could this be the Christ? Could this John the Baptist be the Messiah that we have been longing to see for thousands of years? He certainly seems to fit the part. John the Baptist, however, gives the people no indication that he could possibly be the Christ. He says, no, I am not. You got the wrong guy. But there's someone else coming up behind me. And so they start to ask him these questions, right? What should we do then? And he tells them some really basic advice, some really clear exhortations. He says, share with the poor. Give to those in need. Don't take advantage of one another. Be fair. Be content with what you have. That was his response when they asked, what should we do? But John the Baptist could have just as easily replied with this Sunday's rallying cry. Rejoice. Gaudete. He's on the way. The Lord, the Lamb of God, is coming. He's very near. So rejoice and repent. Change your ways. Get ready because he is coming. In so many ways, I think we're still asking the same question in our hearts too. What should we do? And the church's answer remains the same. Rejoice. Rejoice always. Now that certainly isn't easy especially when there's so much going on in our own personal lives and in this world that seems quite dead set on stealing our joy. I know that people come up to me very often, just about every single day, and they are carrying so much real suffering, so many things that are worth worrying about, it would seem. Heartbreaking situations, deep frustrations, that make rejoicing much more challenging. Father, did you see that a statue of Our Lady of Fatima at the Basilica in Washington, D.C. was vandalized last week just before the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception? It seems like violence against the faith is on the rise. Is open persecution coming? If so, then what do we do? What should we do? My response to that is, rejoice. Have no anxiety at all. Pray for that poor sad man that he may come to know how much Jesus and Mary love him and that he might repent. Oh, Father, I, I saw on Twitter the other day that Australia is forcing people into COVID quarantine camps. There are fences separating the vaccinated from the unvaccinated inside supermarkets in Germany. Every day I read about the latest variant that's coming out, about how case numbers are going up again, about how this pandemic seems like it's never going to end. 
What should we do? Rejoice. Have no anxiety at all. Oh, but Father, my kids don't have to... They don't want to have anything to do with the faith at all. They think that Christians are bigots. They think that we judge and hate people because of our old-fashioned beliefs. They're so combative with me. I don't know what else to say to them. I don't know what to do. I don't want them to go to hell. What should I do? Rejoice. Have no anxiety at all. Keep living your faith with boldness and with humility. Be holy. Pray for them. Fast for them. And confidently invite their questions. Share the radical, unconditional love of Jesus with them anyways. Father, I I keep on sinning in the same way over and over. I try so hard. I want to change, but I seem to be addicted. I'm stuck. And worse yet, I'm ashamed and I'm embarrassed. Father, what should I do? Rejoice. Rejoice. Never give up. Keep fighting. Grace will triumph in the end if you keep on dragging yourself back to the confessional over and over and over every time you need to go there. Take it one day at a time. God will never get tired of forgiving you. Father, I just received terrible news, a terrible diagnosis. My loved one is dying. My heart is filled with grief and loss. My family is pushed to the limit by so much sin and stress and noise and dysfunction. I have no motivation anymore. I'm tired. It's hard to pray. Raising a family is exhausting. I want things to be different. Life doesn't seem to be fair. Father, what should I do? Rejoice. Rejoice. Be at peace. Because God knows all of your struggles intimately. And he is near to you. He has not abandoned you. So keep moving forward. Father, the church is a mess. I'm always hearing about terrible scandals involving bishops and priests all around the world. Some church leaders seem to be advancing a very different version of the gospel than what I am familiar with. A version that seems to downplay personal responsibility, renders all religions basically the same, panders to problematic agendas, and refuses to call people to conversion. What should we do? What should the church do? Rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. Have no anxiety at all. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then, as St. Paul promises, then if you do that, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself told us how much we would need to suffer, how difficult this life of discipleship, this life of following him, would actually be. Believe me when I tell you this, he says in one place, you will weep and lament while the world rejoices. You will be distressed, but your distress 
shall turn into joy. That is the deep mystery of our Christian faith. The world will think that it is winning. The world will rejoice while we are weeping. But then our distress and suffering will somehow be transformed into joy, into fearless rejoicing. The shadow of the cross always somehow leads to the blinding light of the resurrection. Now, if that is all true, then it's pretty clear that we're not talking about a superficial, sentimental happiness here. The Catholic Church is not selling you a therapeutic, shallow joy that ignores or overlooks pain and evil. No. John the Baptist meant what he said. One much mightier than I is coming. He's on the way. I baptize you with simple, unsanctified water. But when he comes, when he shows up, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, last time I checked, fire is pretty painful. Fire burns us. Fire tests us. Fire purifies us. Fire will separate the wheat from the chaff. And yet, from the heart of that fire, Christians are invited to do the unthinkable, to rejoice, gaudete, have no anxiety at all. Do not worry. Do not worry. Christ once asked the crowds, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life. Since you cannot do this very little thing, he says, why do you worry about the rest? He asks us the same thing today. Why are you worried? Stop and imagine your life for a moment. What if you decided, by God's grace, to stop worrying right now? It's almost inconceivable for us, right? And yet, Jesus is giving us the permission to do just that. How is that possible, you may ask? Well, St. Paul gives us the key in our reading today. Because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. That fact alone gives each of us the permission to never worry. Never. That truth is enough for us to always and everywhere give thanks in all circumstances, to wholeheartedly trust and believe, to resist that, that very natural urge to recoil in fear and self-reliance, and instead choose to rest in the peace that surpasses all understanding. Think about it for a moment. We have so much going for us. We have sacred scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit himself. The Bible is not a dead letter. It's a living book, and it's speaking to you. We have the church and her rich, robust tradition. We have the seven sacraments that were instituted by Jesus himself so that we can all encounter through tangible flesh and blood symbols his love for us. We have the most holy Eucharist, his real presence. We have faith, hope, and love living in our hearts. Yeah, I would say 
that the Lord is near. The Lord Jesus is very near to all of us. But it's hard to stop worrying. It's really hard. Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said that, and this is pretty tough, so get ready. All worrying is atheism because it is a lack of trust in God. That's really intense. To worry is to disbelieve God's real presence in your life. It's a kind of at least practical atheism. We operate as if God isn't really there protecting us. Joseph Ratzinger, who would then eventually go on to become Pope Benedict XVI, put it this way. To rejoice means to be believers, immersed in the certainty of what the gospel has proclaimed to us, that God loves us with a love that is not fickle. So be believers. Believe that Jesus, our God and Savior, is close to us. Who will separate us from the love of God? Death? A pandemic? Inflation? Supply chain issues? The mainstream media? Social media? Politicians? Supreme Court decisions? Christmas shopping lists? Those things don't stand a chance before the face of God's love. None of those things have any real power to steal our peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. None of those things can steal our joy unless we allow them to, unless we take our eyes off of Jesus. John 16.33 is one of my all-time favorite go-to Bible passages. John chapter 16, verse 33, you can go home and read it, but it says that in this world you will have troubles, but take courage. I have overcome the world. I have conquered. Jesus has conquered. So rejoice. We have permission to confidently rejoice in the truth no matter what. No matter what anybody says or does. No matter what is happening in our life. That is the challenge and the opportunity. I would like to finish this homily today by sharing with you a part of the message given to us by Our Lady of Guadalupe, whose feast day it would have been today if it wasn't the third Sunday in Advent. Her message to St. Juan Diego, I think, is incredibly powerful and comforting for us. I know that it gives me courage, and so I wanted to share it with you this morning as well. She says this, Hear me and understand well, my little son, that nothing should frighten or grieve you. Let not your heart be disturbed. Do not fear that sickness, nor any other sickness or anguish. Am I not here who is your mother? Are you not under my protection? Am I not your health? Are you not happily within my fold? What else do you wish? What else do you wish? I think that's the key right there. What else could we possibly wish for? Isn't being with God enough? Isn't being under the protection of Mary, Joseph, all of the angels and saints, God himself, the Lord Jesus himself, isn't that enough? If it is, then why worry? Why worry?